This is the Next Level Running Podcast, brought to you by the expert coaches at Run Doyen, helping runners of all levels crush their goals on race day by matching you with the perfect coach or training plan. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining us here again for this month's Instagram Live Running Replay here on the Next Level Running Podcast. As always, I'm your host, David Jankowski, here to introduce this month's Instagram Live Running Replay. For those of you who've been around a while, of course, these are our short-form edition podcasts where I replay our coaches' Instagram conversations that we have on, of course, Instagram Live. You can check those out live and in real time as they're happening. If you follow us on Instagram, at Run Doyen, I've got a link in the podcast description if you want to check that out. It's a great way to, to be involved, and too, you can ask your questions straight to our coaches as they're discussing. Uh, but this month, we're talking about the Boston Marathon. It's quickly approaching on the horizon in April, and something that's on most marathoners' calendars, whether you're watching, participating, or wishing you were on the start line. Uh, most of us are thinking about the Boston Marathon in April. So this will be an interesting one. Lindsey Flanagan is joining our founder, Jordan Welling, to talk through some things to expect for the Boston Marathon, how to prepare, how to get there, uh, a lot of things to consider, uh, whether it's a goal, an aspiration, something you've, you've you just kind of wondered about. It's an interesting conversation to hear Lindsey and Jordan talk through the Boston Marathon. Uh, now that said, of course, I'll be back here on the 26th, so you can check out the long-form edition of this podcast. Make sure that you're subscribed if you haven't already, so you catch all of these events as they're happening. And before I kick it over to Jordan and Lindsay, one last reminder, go ahead and rank this podcast. Whatever you think is fair, go give us a ranking. I think I think five stars is probably the most accurate ranking that you could do, but hey, don't let me influence you. Uh, and then go in there and, and type... Uh, you know, uh, some background. Give me a note. Uh, let us know how, how 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 we're doing here at the Next Level Running Podcast. Uh, your gentle critiques and criticisms are appreciated or praise, too. I, I take praise. So uh, go ahead, drop that in there. I know we have a lot more listeners than we have reviews, as is always the case, but it is very helpful in spreading this content around so others can see what we're doing and others know what to expect when they when they look at the Next Level Running Podcast. So Thank you again to all your listeners, and with that, enough to do about the intro. Let's pass it over to Jordan and Lindsay. To those joining, we're going live today with Coach uh, Lindsay Flanagan uh, to talk all things Boston Marathon. Let's uh, give me just a minute to get her uh, invited in. There we go. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. We're excited to have you back. I know I think you've been a guest here on the Instagram Live uh, edition a time or two, but we're super excited to have you back. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be back and, and chat all things Boston. I think it's, yeah. uh, I think it's about six weeks out, um, somewhere right around that time. So a good time to, to get everyone thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. And back to the original uh, Patriots Day time in April, right, versus uh, last year with the fall uh, edition in October. 
Yeah, I would imagine the energy this year is going to be just insane after, you know, it hasn't been on the right day in a, in a couple of years. So yeah. people are going to be ecstatic to be there as always. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be great to get that that energy back. So for those just tuning in again, we're here with Coach Lindsey Flanagan, uh, one of our Rundoin coaches, uh, also a professional runner and accomplished in herself uh, as a quick intro. Uh, she's broken 230 in the marathon, which is a screaming fast time. Uh, I think you finished in the top 15 now at the both both of the last two Olympic trials uh, marathon championships. Mm-hmm. Um, she's competed for Team USA at the World Marathon Championships. Um, she has, and then she's finished as a top three American at Boston. So she has done it, um, you know, with among the elite field and finishing as one of the top finishers. Um, and then last but not least helped coach a lot of athletes to the Boston marathon, helped train them to qualify and helping them to, um, uh, train for the race itself. Um, so we already have some comments. It looks like maybe have some of your athletes joining, uh, the comment saying best coach, uh, oh, so kind. <laughs> giving, giving some credit <laughs> to Lindsay here. So, uh, excited to maybe see some of your athletes yeah. tuning in. Um, but yeah, we're excited to, to get you on and talk all things Boston. I think we talk a little bit, everything from, from training for, it, um, the experience on race day itself and, and also tactics on, on how to race. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Maybe like just as a more of a sort of icebreaker question as we get into the Boston. I mean, tell us just about what do you love? Well, first, how many how many times have you run it yourself? So I have I've run the course three times before I ran it the first time I went out and did it kind of as a training run, but I've raced mm-hmm. it twice. So I feel like, you know, you learn so much every time you do Boston, but I really feel like um, I trained totally different the second time I raced Boston and had such a better experience. And so I love to just share kind of what I learned the, the first time through training and racing, you know, in that setting and, and kind of like how it, how it was so much better the second time. Yeah. And what would you say you personally, like, what is your favorite part about the Boston Marathon? I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of on the pedestal among races for a lot of runners and it's a big aspiration. I think everybody has different things that they love about it the most. But I mean, like for you personally, I think why, why are you drawn to it and why do you love the experience? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so incredible. I feel like, you know, I've done so many marathons and, you know, I've run some of the majors, but I feel like Boston, there's no race where the entire way is just lined with fans, just so excited. Like it doesn't matter what time you're starting. I mean, cause you know, starting times are staggered over, you know, several hours, but these people are out there all day. They're so excited. It's a holiday there. So really there, you don't ever get a race like that. where just like, there's no silent parts. Like you are, you always feel like you are just you know, so supported by the people around you. And, and it's, it's just such an incredible experience and everyone has worked so hard to be there. You know, everyone's had to qualify. So it's, it's kind of this like big celebration on race day to kind of just like go out and, and like, you know, show off all your hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, the, the energy and the intensity is, is incredible there for sure. And gives you a little bit of that extra adrenaline boost and uh, helps you <laughs> get through some of those tough parts for sure. So that is something special. Yeah, it's, it it really is, you know, the people, the crowds are just having like the time of their lives too. So you just kind of feed off that energy, especially when you're getting tired and it's, it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. So then kind of, I mean, thinking about the course, then let's maybe, how would you break down the course? Like kind of compare the first half versus the second half when, when you're running it, um, how how are they different and how, if, if any other runners are going to be running Boston this year, how should they, think about uh, kind of the phases of the course differently. 
Yeah, so so Boston is such a unique course. Like there there honestly is no other race like it, but um kind of like breaking down the the first half, I would say you're going to start which I'm sure everybody has heard with this, you know, wonderful downhill section and that's that's going to be about a 10k long, which you're like, oh, you know, in the grand scheme of a marathon, six miles down isn't, you know, a terribly long amount of time. But that is that's enough time that, you know, your quads are going to feel it after you've kind of been down those six miles. So really, the first six miles, you won't even feel like it's, you know, this dramatic down. But if you were to turn Mm -hmm. around, you could actually see you know, a hill behind you and you're like, oh, wow, like this is this is pretty significant. So I would say, yeah, first first 10K is going to be this this long, gradual down. You're going to be feeling so good because you're excited. You have so much adrenaline and you're running downhill. It's it's a lot of fun. So once you kind of get through um, 10K, I would say from 10 to 15K is kind of where things I would say, quote unquote, like flatten out. You're not going to you're not going down anymore, but there are going to be a few uh, rollers while you're kind of in that section. So just kind of being prepared for like some ups and downs, but you know, nothing significant. And this is kind of the point where I would say if you did go out too fast, that first 10 K is you really are going to want to rein it in, you know, 10 to 15 K. Like this is the perfect time because it is flat kind of gentle up and downs. Um, it's a good time to do that. And so I would say, you know, that probably takes you through about, halfway and and uh that's when you're about to get to uh wellesley which is incredible it's that's where all of the uh the screaming fans are so um you're gonna be you know downhill 10k then you know some gradual rollers uh kind of in that middle half and then about halfway is when you hit uh wellesley and i would say that's where the race becomes that's where i would do kind of the uh the breaking point of the races like that's that's where the second half i think officially kind of starts it at that point mm-hmm yeah yeah that's great yeah i can totally relate to the the downhill i can't tell how many times i've been on a run and and when you an out and back run right and you turn around and you don't really realize that you're going downhill until you turn around and uphill um exactly so it, it is. sounds like that's kind of what that first that first 10k is like at, at boston yeah it, it really is it's, it's one of those things where you don't realize how much you have gone down like i said until if you looked back you're gonna you're gonna see how far you actually mm-hmm. went down so mm-hmm. yeah yeah great. It's great to get a little yeah course overview and some insight there. Um, and then, so maybe now we, as thinking about how to train for it, right? Um, it is a very unique course with kind of that long downhill start finish and then the rolling hills. Um, I mean, how can, how can people prepare in training uh, for, that, for that kind of initial downhill 10K? Should they be doing anything differently? You mentioned that it can kind of take a little bit more toll on your quads and that people should be you know cautious about getting too out of control. I can't, you can also think of, I can picture so many times the Boston Marathon of people, like the leader, there's a leader way out in front, right? And they kind of take advantage of that. Um, yeah, so always. So it's an interesting, interesting part of the race, but any advice you'd give in training, I guess, for that, for that segment to make sure that they aren't that person that's kind of way out in front and then reeled back later. How, how can people train to kind of approach that, that start of the Boston in the right way? Yeah. So if we're going to talk about solely just kind of that first half is, is you really, the, when I, you know, I ran it the first time, I didn't really do a great you know, amount of downhill running. I was like, Oh, you know, if I do like uphill repeats, I think that that's, you know, going to be enough. But I, I found very quickly that it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So I think just, you know, being prepared for that downhill is you're going to want to be doing like a, all of your long runs over rolling hills. And I say that because 
all of the the downs in Boston are are really long and gradual. Like you're not having any of these like short up and down. It's like everything is long and gradual. So the more, you know, you can like get your quads ready for that by doing, you know, long runs, normal runs, anything that's kind of like up and down with long downs, long ups is, is really going to prepare you. And, and I know the first time I ran it, you know, we all love to run fast. Everybody loves to run fast, but Boston is one where in training you have to actually be like, okay, I'm going to choose this route. It might not be the fastest route, but I'm going to do it because I know it's going to get me strong for the race. So I think for Boston, when you're doing that, sometimes you have to throw pace out the window and kind of do all your long runs on rolling hills. A lot of uh, fartlicks over rolling hills too, where you're practicing kind of changing pace on the, the ups and downs. I think that's a great way to, to get ready for that. And like, you know, Boston, your rhythm is going to break, you know, when you're going up and down. So I think the more, you know, prepared for that, um, the better. And, and also with a lot of, with my athletes, we'll do, you know, certain sessions where we do maybe some downhill repeats and then we go into, you know, a tempo or a fart, like on, you know, flat kind of, you know, terrain, just so your quad, you're like, wow, you know, my quads are tired and I'm, you know, now doing a flat kind of fart like in tempo and then we end with uphill repeats so you're kind of mm-hmm. simulating that like down and then flat and then kind of back up but i would i can't emphasize enough um just getting your quads ready for the downhills like even if it means you know running routes that are slower like always worth it to be to be prepared mm-hmm. on race day yeah great what about um I think, I mean, a lot of runners will spend time training on a treadmill or some people may not have access to sort of gradually rolling hills. What are your thoughts about using an incline or a decline on a treadmill um, to try to sort of simulate some of those long gradual um, or uphill effects? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a fantastic resource. I think there's even a treadmill out there that is like solely just for Boston Marathon. You can like hmm. set it and it will do the course kind of for you. But especially, you know, now we're in winter, like people can't be outside as much. So a lot of my athletes are util- utilizing the treadmill. So, you know, if that means like on their long runs, they like play with the pace every, you know, mile, they're like changing the the up you know, and down. But I think that the treadmill is a great resource. And, and if you don't have access to kind of, hills in your area getting on there and practicing kind of some ups and downs is is going to be really beneficial Hmm. great so what about especially when you kind of mentioned that um you know after mile 17 you really hit the rolling hills um any sort of specific workouts that people can kind of think of if they want to be prepared for those that later stage kind of second half of the race when it when it starts to get tough yeah, absolutely. I would say uh, a lot of like uh, my athletes will do a lot of different long runs that have like, you know, paces or, you know, marathon pace segments. But I think kind of practicing, you know, getting in like, you know, a good amount of miles first, but then really like the last 10K of your long run, doing it over, over rolling hills and doing it at marathon effort, not exactly marathon pace because you're going to be going up and down hills. But I think if you can train your your body to, you know, run hard on tired legs and and be able to handle hills on on tired legs, I think that's a really, really beneficial thing when it comes to running Boston. So I would say fast finish long runs, um, you know, any sort of tempo run over rolling terrain, like the more aerobically strong you could be, you know, the better. So I would say those are two things we, we really work on. Like it's, it's so many rolling hills and it's a lot of, you know, 
pace long runs where they end, you're going to want to finish faster than uh, in the beginning. And I think that's great discipline when it comes to Boston because you're going to want to fly in the beginning and because you feel so good and it's downhill. But I think if you can hold back and really focus on the later stages, you're rewarded so much. I think if you practice that in your long runs and and in your workouts, that it it just kind of becomes habit and and race day. You're like, okay, I've done this in practice and I can do this, you know, when it Mm -hmm. counts. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, during race day on when, on kind of when you really are hitting the hills, do you have any advice, you know, that I think common philosophy you're here, you hear a lot of coaches or sometimes on the course will say, you know, attack, attack the hills, attack the uphill. And, and then maybe by default, that means sort of relax on the downhills. Um, do you have a specific strategy that you or your athletes sort of like to use in terms of, should you be working harder on the uphills, easier on the downhills, or make sure you don't push it too hard on the uphills and take advantage of the downhills? Or does it just depend on the runner and their style? Um, could you give anybody just some help or guidance on maybe, okay, how, how should I be exerting my effort kind of differently on the uphills versus the downhills when they really start getting there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of, you have to work with your strengths, but how I approach it is I'm a great downhill runner. Like I pride myself in, in being a really good downhill runner. So for me, it's, it's all about maintaining the effort on the uphills and not completely, you know, gassing myself, but then really like working those downhills because I know that that's something that, you know, that's one of my strengths. So I tell my athletes, like you might, you are, you might slow down on the uphills and that's like, perfectly normal, but just maintain the same effort. And because Boston, you you have about five miles of up and down, I would say like, do not try and, you know, absolutely like sprint up the hills, like much better to maintain the same effort. And then you're going to get, you know, the time back once you go, once you go down, mm-hmm. because the best part of Boston is you're gaining momentum the whole time. You have these long ups, but then you have the same amount of long downs. So just kind of using the momentum uh, throughout, I think is so beneficial. So I would say maintain effort on the uphills and then, you know, work the downhills. Like that's, that means like having good form, like leaning forward, like quick steps, like getting down the hills and just using that momentum kind of to get to the up, the next uh, mm-hmm. uphill. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, just kind of, uh, I'm just going to pause here a little bit. And just for any of the viewers that do have any questions, feel free. I'm keeping an eye out on the chat. If anybody wants to have any questions for Lindsay related to Boston, feel free to throw them in the chat. We'll, we'll try to keep our eye out there uh, as well as going along with these, this, um, other discussion that we kind of, or other questions we have as well. Um, but yeah, I think this is all, all super helpful for, for anyone that might be training or, or, uh, planning on running Boston this year. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like another thing to remember is, you know, you're going to have these hills from 17 to, to 22, but then really 22 to the finish is just kind of this gradual downhill. So again, like you're, you are rewarded if you can kind of like, hold back in that first 10k and then let it loose on mm-hmm. you know the end because you do like i think a lot of people forget that the end of boston is it's amazing like it's it's relatively flat and and it really is downhill so you're going to be passing so many people if you've paced yourself right and you know you're going to be feeling really good at that point too yeah great um we got a comment that says it doesn't feel downhill. <laughs> no, I, I can, I can uh, also agree with that. Like it doesn't really, you kind of feel like it's just flat, but then if you actually look at the, uh, the elevation profile, you could actually see like this dramatic down and, and kind of it, like you, you mentioned earlier, you don't really notice the down until if you were to turn around and run back up. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So how about more specifically on, on pacing? I mean, you already mentioned you want to be careful of not, you know, going out too fast and taking too much advantage of that, but let's maybe. Oh no, I can't. Oh, you're Pace back. of set running seven. Oh, you're back. Oh, sorry. sorry. It, just, it I, just cut out. A phone call, a phone call came in. So I might, I may have cut out there for a second. I uh, had to decline it. Um, but, uh, Oh, where was my train of thought here? Oh, on pacing. So uh, let's say someone has a goal of running at seven minute pace. I mean, how much faster should it in that first 10K when it's downhill? I mean, do you have a kind of a guidance on should it be 10 seconds per mile faster? Should it be kind of put in the bank? Um, and then maybe or maybe break out the segments and think again, if you want to use just an example as reference, say seven minute pace. Mm -hmm. But uh, maybe help people think about pacing throughout the different race and how they should should approach their target pace and how, when that might be a little bit slower or faster uh, and how yeah. much slower or faster. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, you know, that first, like, you know, downhill 10 K, like I honestly tell runners like no more than even like, even like five seconds, like is, is still, you know, enough. Like I really kind of, kind of drill in, like we want to be as even as possible as we can be on this. And, and it's going to feel so easy because you are going down, but that's a great feeling to be like, wow, like I'm running the Boston Marathon and this feels easy. So if you can hold back, kind of practice the exact pace kind of you, you know, planned with your coach ahead of time, um, obviously you are going down. So there's excitement. So I would say really like no, no more than like five seconds, those that first 10K. And, and like I said before, if you did kind of go out too hard that, you know, starting at, you know, 10K to 15K, that's where you really are going to be like, okay, I'm going to rein it in because now you just have like kind of that flat and those, those rollers. So I would say like, stay, stay as conservative as you can at Boston, because I always say like the real race doesn't start until about 16 miles. Like that's, that's when the Boston marathon starts. Like that's when you're going to get the Hills and that's when you're going to have that downhill. So I always tell athletes like just, you want to get to that firehouse, which is on the corner at 16 or, you know, 16 and a half, 17 feeling really good. And then at that point, that is where it's time to show off all of your hard work. And that's where it's fine to finally, like, if you're feeling good, you start, you know, letting it, letting it rip there. But I would say no earlier than that. And, and I've learned my lesson. I can actually, you know, what that the first time I ran, like I was someone who was, was really excited and wanted to go out too hard. And I got to the firehouse and I felt like I was walking. And then the second time really reined it in and, and was able to have a, a strong second half and a much better experience. So I, I can tell you from experience, like being conservative that, you know, first 10 miles is, is so rewarding at the end. Yeah, of course I can imagine. I haven't run it myself, but uh, I know one day it is on it is on the bucket list. I you know you know me. I haven't been as much of a marathoner uh, in my running, but uh, at some point I've I've got to experience it for sure. You do, and it, it, again, it's there's no other race like it. So the the more you know consistent you can pace yourself throughout Boston, I think you know honestly the better. And and I can't stress enough that that first 10k to to hold back in. And I think it's also hard because you've been waiting there, you know, that they bust you out so early, you know, you're sitting there for a long time, you have a lot mm -hmm. of time to think about it. So you feel like this caged animal, you know, ready to ready to roll, but just rein it in and, and show off at the end. Uh, I saw a comment come in, I kind of lost it here in the uh, in the feed, but it was related to, you know, they confirmed like, yeah, the quads, they can definitely take a beating right on Boston, especially in that 10 K and ask the question. So around core exercises or strength training or any sort of cross training, maybe outside of running, we talked about, 
kind of from a, a training, a running training approach and, and tackling the hills and, and incorporating those into training and workouts. And, but uh, any other drills, exercises, strength training, core work that can, that can also help prepare the body to kind of take some of that unique uh, pounding in Boston. Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, uh, when I prepared for Boston the second time, I, I did. I incorporated a lot more strength work. I was in the gym lifting heavy for me, which again, like you're not lifting, you know, like a bodybuilder, but you still want to put in like a good amount of work in the gym. But any sort of, you know, squats and lunges and things like that, where you're really, you know, getting your quads, getting your glutes, you know, kind of ready to go. I, I would say at least once a week, twice a week is great. But if you can be in the gym, kind of really narrowing in on, on exercises, they're going to strengthen those specific muscles that you're going to, you know, really feel the the benefit on race day. And, mm -hmm. and when it comes to cross training, I would say, Really, you know, biking, elliptical, anything like that. Um, some people have elliptigos. If you could do that over, you know, rolling terrain, I can't even get my elliptigo up a hill. So I can <laughs> say that it's incredibly difficult. But yeah, I have a lot of athletes that do, you know, stationary bike and things like that, and and kind of playing with the resistance. That's a way, you know, you kind of help the the quads with that because um, a lot of people don't run, you know, seven days a week. So kind of supplementing uh, some of that cross training would be a good idea for Boston. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, okay. So yeah, we're six or seven weeks away now, probably a little bit inside the window if somebody's just getting off the couch and running for the, for the first time trying to train, but, um, maybe some people out there that are already signed up. Um, how, how can people approach the last, you know, several weeks as we, you know, we're now into March. So, um, and this kind of last, uh, build up the last couple months, uh, any advice for anybody listening out there that is running this year and how they can kind of approach this final phase? Yeah, I would say, you know, I think just knowing that right now is the time that you are going to be incredibly tired. And I think some people, you know, start to panic because you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm just so tired. My legs just feel trash. But that's normal. I would say from like six weeks to three weeks out, like you're this is when you're, you know, starting to feel really tired. Like you've been running a lot of miles like the hills, you know, you're you've been training through winter, which also just makes everything hurt a little bit more. So I would say like, just know that you're doing, you know, exactly what you're meant to do. And then come taper, you're going to be fine. And and I think that this kind of time is also a good time to do um, a, some sort of build up race. And, you know, I, I approach these races a lot differently with every athlete. Some people like to, you know, go and they want to put in a really good hard effort for a half marathon, but other people want to practice marathon pace. But I think kind of getting in that race mentality before you actually show up at, you know, the marathon start line is, is so beneficial. Just kind of like remembering how to like what it's like to wake up at four in the morning and like have breakfast and those nerves. I think that now is a really good time to kind of plan um, putting in a, a buildup race. And I would say anywhere from like six to, to three weeks out would be a good time to do something like that. Great. So it's okay to feel, not feel great during this time of training is what you're saying. This is kind of. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Still, I, yeah. I think I'm about four weeks out from my marathon that I'm doing right now. And, and I can tell you that the fatigue is real. And, and I know that there's, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, but it's yeah. kind of just, you know, stick with the plan and stick with what your coach is telling you and, and you'll be good to go when it, when yeah. it matters. Yeah. Great. Uh, one last sort of comment. If anyone has any questions, feel free to drop them in now. If anyone in, um, anything you want to ask Lindsay related to the Boston Marathon, how to train for it, or what the course experience is like. Uh, it's kind of last call to drop in any, any questions you have before we wrap things up. Um, but we've, so we've talked about the course. We've talked about training for it. 
Um, now, I mean, you know, another big part of any marathon is just sort of the, the logistics and the experience of it, right? Um, maybe can you talk a little bit about that? And I think specifically with Boston starting a little bit later in the day, I want to say like a 9.30-ish start time. Um, I think most runners are used to like a 7 or 8 a.m. start time for a lot of marathons. Um, so talk, maybe just give some advice on, on the logistics side of things, on what race day is like or the days leading up to race day, getting your bib and all that. So yeah. I know your, your experience may be a little different uh, as an elite athlete having competed there compared to um, the majority of runners, but uh, offer it as much insight as you can around the, the logistics and, and kind of experience. Yeah. So, so Boston, I think the elites go off about nine 30, but you know, waves are going off until I think it's till after even noon. So I, right. you are, you're going to be on that bus really early though, regardless. Like, so I would say, you know, be prepared, like make sure that like you get up, you have breakfast, but make sure you bring food with you because if you leave your hotel mm. room at, you know, 6am, but your, your start isn't until till noon like you just you don't want to start that race feeling you know depleted or you know being you know at the start line asking people for like snacks that you're not used to so i would say like the more prepared you are the the better i would say make sure you're you know you bring water you bring food and and dress you know dress really warm but also make sure that you have you know clothes uh for a you know a hot weather kind of day like both times i've run boston it was a little bit warmer so i would say kind of having outfits for anything that you know the weather might kind of throw at you i think is is really helpful and 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 just staying warm while you're waiting is is big because you know everyone's going to be sitting out there you know for such a long time that you you don't want your muscles to be cold so and you know some people pay a little more to like have fancy kind of setups and, and somewhere warm to sit, but you know, the majority is just kind of sitting out there. So be prepared for the elements, like bring as much, you know, as you can that you don't mind not seeing again, because obviously if you bring a lot of clothes, you're never going to see them again. So just bring stuff that you're not, that you don't mind not seeing again. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> yeah, the more prepared again, the better. And, uh, and just make sure that you get there, you sit down, you relax because the last thing you need is kind of standing for, you know, maybe two hours before the race. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's like, they, they usually donate all those clothes to like Goodwill, I think, right. There's usually just a huge pile of sweats and <laughs> yeah, they do. So at the start line tons, yeah, tons of clothes are just everywhere, but yes, uh, those are, that would kind of be my recommendations because it is unique that it kind of starts, uh, quite a bit later in the day. Right. Right. And so long, I can't think of another race where it's, I mean, hours in between, right. Of the first people starting and, and, and the last. And so you can be there, be there a long time. So that certainly makes it, makes it unique um, compared to maybe a lot of people's local, you know, home marathon where you kind of, the gun goes off and everybody takes off right away. Right. So yeah. um, we had a question from, I think it was Jimmy. Uh, any recommendations on uh, food or restaurants? Do you, do you have a favorite restaurant that you have eaten at uh, before race day or the couple of days leading up? Oh, I, you know, I feel so spoiled. They, they always just like bring our meals to the, the hotel. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've ever actually gone out, um, to eat before the race. I have like, you know, had some really fun, you know, dinners afterwards, like Indian food and things like that, that I wouldn't recommend kind of doing <laughs> before the race. Yeah. But, um, but I will say, you know, Boston is amazing and, you know, they do have great food, but I would recommend getting reservations. Honestly, even now for race day, I have a friend who already has a reservation for a restaurant just because I know it'll be really tough kind of come that weekend. So again, mm -hmm. kind of prepare in advance, kind of look at different things and uh, easy carb uh, Italian restaurants. You know, you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is that sort of your favorite go-to is 
is pasta then, or what are the what are the foods normally served uh, that that you prefer? Yeah, I would say uh, for me, it's it's mostly rice. Like it's it's a lot of rice. I know that that's like easily digestible. It's like a great carb, and it's funny, you know, if you're at the hotel with all these athletes from all around the world, um, everybody's just eating like mounds of rice. And I was like, <laughs> all right, if it's good enough for them, it's good enough, you know, for me. And I think I, I learned that early on. Yeah. And I, for me, it's a great staple. So you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Um, we did have another question. I think this one could be a whole nother conversation in itself. We didn't hit on as much of it, but maybe just if you have any sort of last thoughts on it, but I mean, for people who might be listening that want to qualify for Boston and, um, any thoughts? Obviously, you know, the, the, the published, the, the qualifying times are out there and they're sort of by, you know, by age and gender um, that, uh, you know, you can, you can search for if anyone's listening and, and curious what those are. But um, yeah, any thoughts? I mean, just from, uh, it's hard to generalize, I think, you know, for everybody, but any, any thoughts or advice, or maybe it's just motivation or inspiration to, to give to anyone that, that is looking and sort of has that, has those aspirations to qualify? Um, what would you yeah. give them? Absolutely. I feel like, you know, the marathon is such a great event because there's so much room for improvement. You know, it's so long. You can make dramatic, you know, improvements over long periods of time. But I would say don't don't be discouraged by the time standards. I think some people see them and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's that's totally out of reach. Like, I'm never going to be able to do that. But but, you know, don't even think that way, because, again, the marathon's amazing. Like you you have time to improve. There's so so many things you can change to get there. So kind of think of it as as a long term goal. Like it's Boston, something that doesn't happen overnight. But, you know, if you just keep chipping away at it and, you know, keep getting in more races and keep having more marathon experiences, you know, that time goal is going to get closer and closer. So I would just say, like, be in it for like kind of the long haul and know that, you know, if you just kind of stick with it, that uh, that really that time is going to get closer and closer to where you're like, wow, like. I'm there and I'm, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other unique thing too is right. Is that the times are different based on the age group. Maybe you're in your thirties today and the time standard looks really intimidating and you're like, Oh, how I'm never going to be able to achieve that. But you know, if you keep after, keep at it for, for years, um, you know, <laughs> eventually the time will actually, you know, you may, you can continue to get faster. And then, you know, as you hit the next age bracket, you know, you may, it may become more attainable as well. Right. So I think it's, definitely something you can look at for the long game, no matter where you are in your running journey or no matter what age you sort of, you'll always have enough time, right. To at least start that journey, whether you're just starting from day one today, I think. Um, and it's, it's always a good time to begin and kind of think of it from the long term. Would, would you kind of agree? Oh, absolutely. I've, you know, I've athletes in like their fifties, sixties that are qualifying for the first time. They're like, I never thought this was possible. And it's right. just incredible that, you know, they've just kept working at it and, and now they're there. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, I think we'll wrap things up with that, Lindsay. This was super insightful. Um, again, as someone who hasn't run the Boston Marathon, but uh, will one day, I, I definitely learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners did. Um, I know we had a lot of people there trying to qualify or are planning on running this year. So, um, yeah, I'm sure they took a lot, uh, took away a lot of great information. Um, if you're listening to this Instagram live and you didn't catch the full uh, broadcast, we'll publish the replay here on our Instagram channel as well as on our podcast um, at the middle of next month. Or if you're hearing this on the podcast, feel free to hop over to at run Doyen on Instagram and catch us live next time. Um, if you have any questions, we'll be happy to answer them live. Um, but with that, Lindsay, um, oh, the last thing I'll add, if anybody is listening and you are thinking, Hey, Lindsay, uh, would be a great coach. 
Uh, she's, of course, one of our coaches at Run Doyen, so you can find her at rundoyen.com and find her profile page and reach out to her um, if you'd like. She is one of our more veteran coaches that she's been with us from, from nearly the beginning. Um, I can't even recall if she has a capacity right now for coaching because she is quite busy and popular. But uh, I but do, yes. So okay. reach out, please. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to reach out to her while she still does have a couple spots left. Um, yeah, if you want her to help you train for whatever it is. I mean, we've talked about the marathon today, but of course we help, you know, athletes from from 5K all the way to marathon or ultra marathon. So no matter where you are in your running journey, uh, I'm sure Lindsay would be happy to help if, if you'd like to have her be your coach. So um, yes. thanks so much, Lindsay. Have a great rest of the evening and thanks thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me and, and good luck to, to all those training for Boston and, and all your other spring marathons. All right, that'll wrap up this month's edition of our Instagram Live Running Replay. Big thanks to both Lindsay Flanagan and Jordan Welling for the conversation. Remember, you can catch these events live and as they're happening on our Instagram page, at Run Doyen, link in the description of this podcast if you want to go check that out. And also to go check out our Facebook group, Next Level Running, also a link in the description to that. But that'll wrap up this month's conversation. I hope you enjoyed Lindsay's background on Boston. You're ready to go this April. And remember, too, we have two more podcasts before the Boston Marathon. So if you need some last-minute tips, you've got some nerves to kick off that rust, uh, I'll be back here on the 26th. And then Jordan will be back on the Instagram Live early in April so you can catch both those events and make sure that you're fully informed. But time for me to get out and get a run in. As I like to say, carpe corum, go seize the run. Thank you for joining us here on the Next Level Running Podcast, your source for training advice from the expert coaches at Run Doyen. If you're ready to take your training and racing to the next level, head over to rundoyen.com and get matched to your ideal coach who will provide you with the highly customized online training you need to start crushing your goals on race day.